Well, happy Mother's Day, moms. I'm so grateful for each of you. My name is Michelle Pemberton, and I get to serve as one of the pastors around here and just want to say happy Mother's Day. Heartland Kids, we have a gift for you. If you go over to our Instagram, we have some good sharing questions, whether you're a mom or not. Um, would love for you to check those out and follow us on Instagram. I am a mom of 30 years. My oldest, Stacy, is 30, and my youngest is 26, and her name is Amy. And when I think about parenting you guys, I always say it's the hardest job I have ever loved because the job description keeps changing from the day that you're holding them in your arms for the very first time to all the different stages, and each kid is different. And, and um, you're, it's just always changing. And we sang about the heartaches and the, high t the highlands. And I think parenting in one day can have both heartache and highlands. Um, at least that's how I experienced it. It makes me uh, think about one of the hard parts for me of being a parent is I was bad at the consequences piece about um, like if they did something wrong and misbehaved, what their consequences was. I didn't have anything after timeout didn't work anymore. And um, so there was this morning, um, well, let me first tell you what one of our guiding principles in my home was. If you wanna borrow something, you need to ask the person and get their permission before you borrow it. An important family rule, right? And so it was a winter morning. Stacy was about nine, Amy was five. I'm getting ready for work, I go to put my makeup on, and there is no makeup. And I know that my oldest daughter has stolen my makeup. She has borrowed it without asking. And I begin thinking about what could the consequence be, and I thought of this, you know what? I'm gonna make her walk to school. I'm gonna drive her sister, but she's gonna walk to school. Now, we live two blocks from school but it was still a good consequence. I felt good about it. And I can still remember pulling out of the driveway and her sister's in the back seat and she's just like waving at her sister. And there's nothing quite as fun as when the other sibling is in trouble and you're not. And so um, as we round the corner to pull into the parking lot of the school, I have this sinking feeling and wonder why no one else is there. No one else is in the parking lot. And then I realize they have called off school because it is bitterly cold. Stacy would tell you that it was 25 degrees below zero with the wind chill. I disagree with that. I think it was about zero, okay? So I felt so bad. And I, we go back, we pick her up, her little face is all red, and she's, oh man, she's mad at me um, that we didn't figure out that school was, lot, was done for the day. So one of the things I've done um, recently like, is reached out to my uh, folks who have uh, kids at home and asked them what is, what is hard right now and what are the high points? What are both of them, the hard times and the, hard, and the high points? And this is what I heard back. The hard, one of the hard things is just with COVID, your kids are grieving and it's hard. There's so many losses. They don't get to be with their friends. They uh, don't get to go to school. They don't get to do sports and prom and graduation and concerts and plays and all the things. And that's hard. And it's hard to understand why you can't hug grandma and grandpa and you have to Zoom them. 
And it's hard that they don't get any time alone. Moms tell me that the houses are messy and loud and very busy. And many of them are doing their mom job, which is, you know, 40 plus hours a week, plus their like regular job they get paid for all under the same roof. And they're homeschooling. They're trying to help their kids be focused on school. But the high points have been really fun for me to hear about how they've been capturing those, like siblings playing together, a 14-year-old playing with his little sister doing Legos together, game nights almost every night, playing outside, no rushing around, you love the pace of this life, and getting to worship together as a family like you guys are doing right now. And I love it when you do the Heartland Kids programming together too. There's more time for cuddles and crafts and bedtime stories, and kids are learning new skills like how to cook a meal, which is awesome. Well, moms and dads, you have such an important role, and it's the most important, one of the most important leadership roles that you'll have is leading your kids. And some of you are saying to me, Michelle, I am not a leader. Um, I am not. And I would beg to differ one of my favorite podcasts is called Lead Stories Podcast. And they start out every episode, uh, Joe Saxton and Stephanie O'Brien start out saying this, everyone has influence. And when you are intentional with your influence, then you are a leader. And so today, no matter if you're a mom or not, this message matters to you because it's about leading. It's about how do we lead ourselves well. And if you have influence, and we all do, and you're intentional, then you're a leader. And so I hope that you've been reading through the book of Acts with us, that you've been jumping in. It has been really fun to just see the early church just explode and grow. And that's what's happened in the passage that we're going to look at. And I just think about how those, those women and men are influencing their neighbors and the people they work with and their friends and expanding the family of Jesus. And one of the things that happened in Acts 6 is they needed more leaders, and it was really important. And I, I, I think about, and we think about, as the early church formed, what, what were they focused on? And, and at Heartland, we think about um, leading learning, and loving like Jesus did. So first of all, love, to love God, to love your people, to love the furthest out, to learn, to, to hear about what God's saying and watch what he's doing and then um, act on it. What is he asking you to do? And then to lead, to lead well. First to follow, then to lead ourselves well and lead others well. And so I want us to look up on the screens at Acts 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that the widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. And maybe there was even racial tension at the time between the Greeks and the Hebrews. And so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are, and listen for this, they led themselves well, who are well-respected, who are full of the spirit and wisdom. 
We will give them this responsibility, and then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and in teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, and now I'm going to give these guys nicknames, Pro, Nick, Tim, and Parm, and Nicholas of Antioch, and then earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were actually Greek names, so I thought it was really cool that, that they chose a minority to serve as leaders. Were pres- presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And so this is so cool, you guys. Like the early church is just exploding, and even Jewish priests are becoming Jesus followers. And so they needed more people because they wanted taking care of the poor, the furthest out, was really an important responsibility. And they chose these leaders who were well-respected, full of the spirit, and wise. They were leading themselves well. But what does it look like to be full of the Spirit? Well, if we jump over to Galatians 5, we hear this definition. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, you guys, all those nine things are the evidence of our leading ourselves well. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see all these traits in his life. And I'll just give you two examples. The first one was Jesus was really patient. He was really patient with his 12 disciples. He, um, just like us, they, uh, he would tell them things and then they would forget or they wouldn't understand and they would ask again and again. And they would have little arguments like, I wanna be the greatest, me first, I wanna be the favorite. He had patience with them. And then he had self-control. We know he went out into the wilderness and fasted and prayed for 40 days before he started his ministry. That is some self-control. And so I want you to think about these characteristics, these fruit of the Spirit. Which one is strongest for you? Which one could you teach somebody about? And which one is weakest And the Holy Spirit is talking all the time, so he may nudge you as I read this again. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you think about your weakest, making it stronger, it is not about trying harder, you guys. The research would show that we have a tiny bit of willpower every single day. It is about training. If I cannot right now, you guys, lift 100 pounds, I know that's surprising to you, but um, if I wanted to do it, I would just Google, and I actually Googled this, how do I train myself, my body, to lift 100 pounds? And then I'd get a little schedule, and every day I would practice, and I'd build up repetitions, and I'd get the weight stronger, and my muscles over time would get stronger, and I would be able to lift 100 pounds. And it's the same way that we can increase 
all these characteristics of love, joy, peace, patience, each one of them, we need a training plan, not a try harder plan. We need a training plan, something that we practice. Paul says to Timothy, train yourself, train yourself to be godly. So today, in scripture, the metaphor is the fruit of the spirit, but Today, I want to use the metaphor, the muscles of the spirit, okay? So think of love and joy and self-control as muscles of the spirit. And I know we've got kids out there. Kids, will you show me your muscles, your best muscles? There we go. Yes, way to go. They love when we do that in my four-year-old classroom. Okay, one of the training tools that God has used in my life has been this idea of guiding principles. I told you about one earlier, you know, about borrowing. But principles guide our, my behavior, and they can strengthen my muscles of the spirit. And I bet you have. You and your parents had guiding principles. They, they determined how you'd spend money and time and how you treated each other. Guiding Principles, I love this book by Kathleen Smith, and she describes guiding principles this way. Guiding principles help us decide ahead of time about how we want to behave so that we don't have to let anxiety run the show. It is functioning based on principle, not on emotional reactivity. So about a year ago, I get an email from my oldest daughter, Stacy, and she asked me, what were your guiding principles when you had me? What were your guiding principles, Mom? And I need to tell you that Stacy is like our family researcher. If you want to know what the best lawnmower to buy is, you call her, she'll research it for you. If you want to know if you should take fish oil every day, she'll find the evidence that you should or shouldn't do that. She is our researcher. She has not had kids yet, but she has read probably more parenting books than I have. So I love that she asked me this question, and I told her, you know, I was really clueless when you're born. I, I didn't have that many principles. My principles were formed in the valleys, in the trenches of parenting, in the crises, in the hard stuff, in my failures, in the stuff that we were up against. And they really guided me as a parent. I'm not a perfect parent, but they guided me. I love this quote by Mary Oliver. Attention is the beginning of devotion. What we give our attention to is the person we become. And if we give our attention to co-creating with God the muscles of the spirit, oh, what a life we would have, you guys. What a rich life, one that's full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Who doesn't want a life that is full of that? I know that my life is not perfect and does not include all those things. So once again, which one's your strongest muscle? And which one's your weakest? I want to tell you a story about how one of my guiding principles got formed. And uh, Stacy was 10, and I can totally picture this moment. She is standing at the doorway of her bedroom. I am seven stairs down from her at the base of the stairs, and I am furious. 
I am so angry that I think my head is going to explode. And um, honestly, I have no idea what I was angry about. I just remember I was so mad. And I called my kids this week and I said, do you remember this incident? And I described it to them. And they said, oh yeah, mom, we know what it was. You were really mad that we had not put our shoes in the shoe bucket. Yes, we had a shoe bucket in the garage where they were supposed to put their shoes instead of all over the floor. Now, I think it was something more important than this, but who knows? Memory is a crazy thing. So she's standing up here. I'm at the base of the stairs. I'm so mad, you guys, and I pick up a shoe and I throw it at her. And God nudges me. He doesn't speak audibly. But as I look at her face and I see the fear in her eyes and her expression, God takes me back to when I was a little kid. And he reminded me what it felt like when my normally calm, thoughtful dad would reach a tipping point and then he would blow like a volcano. And he would shout and he would cuss and he was out of control and I would run and hide. And I felt like in that moment and the reflection time afterwards, God really saying, Michelle, is this who you want to be? Do you want to recreate this family pattern? And I said, no, no, I don't. And so through prayer and the process, uh, James 1.19 has been super important to me. You must be, I'll be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. And this phrase that I wanted, the picture of the future Michelle, the future mom I wanted to be was a calm and thoughtful one. My desire was not to let my emotions run the show and just engage, but I wanted to engage my brain instead of living on those emotions. And here's one of the things I learned that I, I had to develop a training program because I still got mad, but what was I going to do with that mad? Exercise was key. I have to tell you, there's something about moving your body that just gets your brain engaged and helps diffuse those emotions. I needed time with God journaling before I spoke. I needed to call a safe friend and figure out a plan. Um, I, needed, I needed to have a training plan to be a calm and thoughtful communicator. And I have to tell you, on good days, when that nudge would come and God would remind me of being a calm, thoughtful communicator, I would listen to that nudge, and I'd take a break. I'd put myself in time out. I'd take a walk. But there's sometimes I blew through that nudge, and I got mad, and I yelled, and I was righteously right. And for those few minutes, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels good when you power up. And then afterwards, you get that conviction, and it's like, oh, dude, that's not who I want to be. And and then I had to do what I think are some of the three most important sentences in relationships. I had to go to my daughters and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? So I want you to think right now, I had this experience that just like revealed what I needed to work on, that I needed to work on my self-control. But how about you? How's God been stirring in your heart as you've been talking? Well, one of the things I learned is that if I wanted to lead myself well, I needed to take care of myself. 
I observed that when I wasn't getting enough sleep, when I wasn't getting my time with God in the morning, when I wasn't getting time with friends and reading and exercising, um, I was going to blow. I was going to over-function for other people in my life, and I was under-function for myself and for my own self-care. There wasn't going to be any joy or kindness if I didn't take care of myself, any patience or goodness. And I know you guys have, most all of you have been on airplanes, and you remember that when they drop the oxygen masks on, moms and dads, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put the oxygen mask on first before you care for your child. And that, my friends, is what self-care is. Self-care is like oxygen. You've got to do that, especially during COVID times. Like, seriously, it is so important. And my assignment for you to moms today that I hope you'll take me up on is that you will get 15 minutes at least of self-care each day. Maybe it's taking a bath. I don't, I don't care what it is, but something that recreates you. And I was a single mom for most of my parenting, my kids at home. And I have to tell you that there definitely were days, many days, where I got self-care while they watched an age-appropriate show on a screen. It's okay. All right? So to lead ourselves well is so important. And I want to tell you that nobody wins if you're a martyr. Well, now, um, I, it's not a one-size-fits-all. I want to have uh, Lori Roy and Sarah Haas, who are leaders around here, who are moms that, I ins- that inspire me and I respect. I want them to share a principle, a guiding principle of their parenting with you. When I became a mom, I was in my early 20s, and my husband and I had not a clue as to what we were doing. Um, We had moved from Los Angeles to Kansas City, and um, I had put my career on hold to be a mom. And we have two two sons, and our sons were the epitome of all boy. From the moment they'd open their eyes in the morning and their feet hit the, the ground to the second that they laid their head down on the pillow, they were always in this perpetual motion. And one day, our three-and-a-half-year-old, uh, he started complaining about joint pain. In fact, he'd sit at the top of the stairs and he'd ask us to, um, to carry him down because his legs hurt. And that was really um, not a typical behavior. He, he was typically Superman. He'd come down halfway down the stairs and he'd jump from the mid-stair to the bottom and, you know, as, as Superman. So, so we knew something was up. So we, um, we went to the pediatrician. They did extensive blood work and sent us to Children's Mercy. And it was there that we started um, meeting with a rheumatologist and he was being tested for JRA, which is juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And it was a very fearful time in our lives. Um, We went through this for several months and um, thankfully he is fine now. He never produced hot spots, um, regardless of what the test had shown and the pain, um, but he's fine today. So that's the good news. But through that process, um, what I realized is um, I, I had a, a shift in my thinking and in my mind. Um, and I realized that um, I was at a crossroads. I could either treat life as um, it, it, that I was, uh, whatever th- life would throw at me, I would either respond to it and be um, anxious about it, or the other side of it is I could trust God. And so um, from that day forward, 
um, I, I decided I was going to trust him and I was going to remain faithful and pray for my kids. And, that, and so that's what I've done from that day to, to now. I pray for their health, for their teachers, for their coaches, for their employers, for their, you know, you can fill in the blank for everything. And um, that's, it, it just, it, it has been such a necessity in our lives. Um, what I, one of my guiding principles um, that is important to me is um, being faithful. And my boys are now 24 and 26, and I've come to believe that the biggest legacy that I can leave my kids is a legacy of prayer. And I'm certainly not a perfect mom, um, but I am a praying mom. And um, I know that there have been generations of prayer warriors that have gone before all of us. And I believe that they, um, as our prayers, as we, get, as we offer our prayers, it brings breakthrough, it brings um, miracles, it brings um, blessings to those that we're praying for. And this is the cool thing, is there aren't expiration dates on prayers. So you can pray for your kids, your children's children, and your children's children's children. Um, and God, God honors that. Um, and what else I've come to know is that we have a father that, that really loves our kids even more than we do. Um, he's for, a, for them, and he's not going to forsake them. And even when um, our, the prayers aren't answered the way that we had hoped, we have to trust in that outcome. And so I would just say, you know, being faithful, it's, it's a choice. It's a choice that we have. And it's not always convenient, and it's, it's not always easy. But as a parent or a grandparent, it's, it's essential. Um, we have to know that our prayers matter, that they're formative for all, all of the generations to come. And I want to encourage you um, just to press into being faithful. And if you're out there right now and you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, this is a new concept to me. I mean, like I was, my son was three years old before I really started to pray for him. It's not too late. We can, you can pray at any time. And here's the thing, if you don't know how to pray, pray the scriptures. Um, they, that's what I do when I, when I don't know how to pray. And I take a scripture and I insert my kids' names. So. Um, um, in Numbers, there's a scripture that says, um, we bless, I'll bless you and keep you and cause your face to shine upon you. So what I do is I say, God, would you bless Tripp and Parker and, and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. And I know his scriptures tell us that his word doesn't return void, but it accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. So I know that we're praying his will. So I just want to encourage you, pray. If you want, a peace, if you want peace as a, as a parent, um, bring your, your kids and your family to the Father each day, and you'll experience that peace. It's available um, to you too. I was captivated several years ago when Isaac Anderson came to Heartland as a guest speaker and he spoke on the importance of words, specifically the words that we speak to one another. And he used the phrase found in James chapter 3, uh, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. The metaphor the Bible uses uh, is like a small spark that sets off a forest fire. And as someone who has spent years making amends for my mouth, um, it felt like he was speaking directly to me. <laughs> um, and it just made us realize that our words have so much power. And as parents, and really just humans in general, 
We can ignite great things in the people that uh, are close to us and those that are around us, or we can start fires that take years to put out. A couple of years after having uh, our second kid, um, we have four now. Um, they are 11, seven, and uh, twin five-year-olds now. That's crazy. Uh, my husband, Matt, and I realized that uh, they were probably going to start interacting with one another at some point. And we felt it was uh, important to come up with some house rules. So one of the rules at the top of the list right after prayer and listening to understand is speaking with kindness. We both felt that the principle of kindness was incredibly important. It feels like a lost art. And it was one that we wanted all of our kids to know um, how to respond to someone with compassion and empathy. So it has become the question that we ask when we hear sibling rumblings, um, usually from the other side of the room or from the other room in the house of, are you speaking with kindness? Which usually results in a mumble and a change in tone to their sibling, not always. But like all principles, it's built over time and with repetition. And we've seen it carry over into their friendships and into their schools. Um, we hear from teachers about how they interact with uh, their classmates. Um, so some of it's getting through. Um, and it's not perfect. We steer, still hear the occasional stop being a jerk. Um, but it's usually followed by an apology. And then I love you. Words are so important. They create worlds. And as um, a family member, you have the opportunity to speak into what kind of person, um, what identity your kids have. And I can only hope that the kind words will drown out the unkind. How we speak to one another matters. Uh, the message version uh, for James um, 3, 19, uh, 1, 19 through 21 is post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. Oh my gosh, I love those women and I loved what they shared and I bet like both of them, you guys have a spiritual muscle that is strong. And uh, I want you to celebrate that. 20 years fast forward, self-control now for me is a strength because of the training. And I don't do it perfectly, but um, it's a strength because of that training plan. And I want to tell you, it was for my dad too. He worked on it, and my kids, his grandkids, never saw him explode like a volcano. So I want you to think, again, as I read these muscles, for you to think about which one is God nudging you to, to, to connect with him around, to create a training plan. Is it love? Is it joy? Is it patience, kindness, goodness? faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. You are not alone in wanting one of those to be stronger. And the solution is to ask the Holy Spirit for the next step. 
He wants to co-create this with you, a training plan. Ask him for a guiding principle. He will give it to you, my friends. He will. And uh, right now, um, a muscle that I'm praying about is peace. I have to tell you that in the craziness of COVID, there's insecurity and anxiety for me in comparing myself to other people. And, and I'm working on a training plan for peace. And so what's your training plan that you want to work on? The muscle that you want to make stronger? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who is present in the highlands and the heartaches and everything in between. In the darkest valleys and the steepest mountains, you are with us. And so, God, we want to be people that are led well, that, that people can see the Spirit in us, and they would describe us to be well-respected and wise and full of the Spirit. Man, we want that for, for the parents here, for the individuals, for the teens, for the kids. We want to be full of the Spirit. And so, God, we can't do this alone. We want to co-create with you in this. Thank you for being a God that is in every moment of every day no matter how good or how hard it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. And if you want to keep connecting, if you want to be prayed for, we'd love, there's going to be a link on the screen. You can go to our connect rooms where we'd, for the next 30 minutes, love to have a conversation with you. Or you can go to our website, heartlandchurch.org, and click on connect rooms. Um, have a wonderful Mother's Day. We are so, so grateful for you.